back. I don't know about you, but I like to hear God in a way that changes me. Really, when you hear God, it always does. And um, so there's a couple things before we get into this. There's a theme that's been rolling around in my spirit this week. And uh, I've been reading through the Old Testament. I'm, I'm in Judges now. And how many love Judges? I love Judges. It's such a powerful book. And if you don't believe in women in ministry, then you should go all the way back to Judges. And, uh, you know, I always thought, you know, Deborah, oh, it's not even the message this morning, but, you know, Deborah was a woman in the ministry. And I always saw Deborah, I don't know why I missed this before, that Deborah was a judge. And, and a judge is somebody that it was before, like, so judges were God's like prophets in those days. It was, it was the spiritual leader in Israel in those days. And, and so, um, I always thought, for some reason, when I was younger, I read that like, oh, God raised up Deborah for this one mission. But actually, Deborah would sit under a palm tree for years and years. She was the judge over Israel. All of Israel would come out to this woman, Deborah, and would hear the wisdom of the Lord and what God had, God had to say. And when it, when it came time to, re, to uh, remove the enemies of Israel that had oppressed them, 900 iron chariots this king had. And uh, it's amazing. And God raised up this woman. And um, anyway, so she gave the word. And then he wouldn't go. So she said, okay, I'll go, but you won't get credit for it. And, um, and it, it was amazing. But i um getting off track in a good way. Um, but, uh, but I'll tell you, there's something that's said in Judges. And I'm just going to quote a couple of verses to you before we read in Numbers. And it says, when the leaders, the, the song of Deborah, she said, when the leaders lead in Israel and the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. And there's and then another verse says, people willingly volunteer in the day of his power. And this theme of the spirit has been rolling around in my heart around for us, because it's been so cool to see this happening among us. Like God is bringing people around and, and we're beginning to have people come and go, what can I do? Where can I, how can I get involved? Where can I serve? And it's just so exciting to see that. Because, um, yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. It is exciting to see that because how many know that when, when, when there's a culture of empowerment, which God's kingdom is a culture of empowerment, um, right? Jesus said, Right. All authority was given to me and heaven and earth. And I send you. Jesus was always giving away what he had and sending him out to do what he did. And that's what Jesus was always doing. And um, and for a while, he gathered them just close to himself. And so for a while, they weren't going out and doing anything. They just had to be around Jesus for a while, because how many know before you're going to go out and release what he has? You got to catch his heart. Powerful. And um, because he probably could have just given them the power and said, go do it. The thing is, is they wouldn't have been they could have been serving in practicality, but they wouldn't have been serving from the heart. And that that's probably a message to come later. But it's a huge core value. And so anyway, I just want to celebrate that. Another thing that God's been highlighting for us prophetically is a season of transition, which we know that we've been in. However, I'm just seeing it everywhere. We had a prophetic word come forth at Presence Night about a month and a half ago or two. And it was about, it came through a song and it was about new shoes for a new walk and a new season. 
And, um, and how many know that when you get into a new season, it's different? It's a powerful revelation there. It's really deep and profound. Give you a while to chew on it. But, um, uh, but numbers here, Moses is preparing the children of Israel for what is to come, which is a crossing over into the promise, into the promised land. And and uh, and he was they were going to divide the spoils. And uh, so we talked about the promised land last week. Another prophetic word we have is that there's a fountain here that people are going to come. And they and it's already happening, actually. And people are coming to be to splash and to drink and to be refreshed. And how many know who that fountain is? It's not a thing. It's a person. He is the fountain. And so we're just declaring that and that there is a move of the spirit among us and it is increasing. And, and I believe that corporately we're talking about walking by faith corporately as we catch the catch with our eyes what God is doing and with our hearts, what what is on his heart, what he wants. Right. How many know if we could get together and go, what do you think a church ought to look like? We would get we would get nowhere after a long time. Like, probably. You know what I mean? If everybody just started going, well, I'm going to come up with what I think a church ought to look like. Right? And, and, um, but, but Jesus builds his church and he gives us wisdom. And the whole point about faith, what faith says is faith is when it's God's way and not mine. Pretty basic. And, um, you know, with submission, you don't always get to do what you want to do. There's like, that's just the anointing, probably. Just kidding. Could be. Um, with, with, you know, with submission, you don't always get to do what you want to do, but you get to do more than you'd otherwise be able to. I mean, know that. And, um, and so there was a changing in the season coming for these children of Israel. And if you could imagine that they'd been in the wilderness for 40 years, why were they in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, it was because of a lack of faith, actually, which yeah, hard-hearted, Barry said. God help us all. It's funny because you read the you read the Bible, right? And you go, all oh, those stiff-necked people, you know. And um, a, a Bible teacher of mine, Dan Fairley, I love how he's like, we're always making somebody else, you know, the goof in the Bible. And he's like, the message is, you're the goof. That's you. You can be stiff-necked. You can be stuff like me. When I read it, I can be that, right? Anyway, it's funny. We're like, those Israelites... I'm not sure we'd have done any better if we were there. But praise God, it says the things that are written before were written for our learning. Right. Wisdom means I don't have to make the same mistakes that were made before. We get to learn the easy way. So we're in a new season. And I do feel that even on our journey here, 10 months in, we are experiencing yet another shifting of the seasons here. You feeling that? I'm seeing the nodding heads of. Some of the intercessor folks in here and, and um, you know, just ask Jody. I'm sure she'll tell you what the Lord's saying, but um, she will. And, uh, uh, and so we're excited about that. Let's read the Bible. Numbers 32, 1 through 7. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the Gadites had a very large number of livestock when they had surveyed the land of Jazer and Gilead. They saw that the region was good, one for livestock, 
it was a good one for livestock. So the Gadites and the Reubenites, that means they were the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben, came to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the leaders of the community and said, the territory here, and he's named several names, which the Lord struck down before the community of Israel. I, I highlighted that last week, which I think is powerful, that it said that the Lord struck down the enemies before the community of Israel. And there's something powerful about, we can talk about walking by faith as individuals, and maybe we'll touch on that as we go today. But really, this, this message in this series is a little bit more about walking in faith as a community. And this is what you see happening here, that how many know there's an individual faith and there's a corporate faith? And a corporate faith is, is well, it's multiple things that when you get into a service like this, what can happen with corporate faith is it makes a place for the miraculous to show up in a way that doesn't always happen in every individual's life. So there's something, there's, that's one way that the corporate faith in the kingdom manifests. When we, as Hadmi said, which great job, Hadmi, it was so powerful today. When, 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 uh, when we come together, he's here in our midst, and something happens. Boom, miracles happen, and people go, well, all I need is God. And you're like, the thing is, things happen in a corporate setting that don't always happen in your prayer closet. But things happen in your prayer closet, and I mean that obviously, you don't have to have an actual closet. But, um, but... You know what I'm saying? That's, we're not getting religious here. But if you have a closet, great. I have a good friend who had, had an actual closet. My friend Ernie had a closet. Yeah, and praise God, because he would lift my name up in that closet regularly. And, um, and uh, God bless you, Ernie, if you ever hear this. And, um, and so, uh, but corporate faith. Another, another way that corporate faith manifests and that's really the point of today is that what is God saying for us as a community? What is he doing among us? And so that when we catch a glimpse of it and we begin to get it into our heart, in other words, so that what's, God, what's on God's heart gets into my heart. And so that, so that then, then I don't just want like the church and things to look the way I want it to look. Then everybody starts looking and saying, I, I want it to look the way you want it to look. And I want you to do in this season what you want to do. And so God never changes, but methods change all the time. And a lot of people go, well, God does it this way. God, you know, like we look at things like altar calls and think God does it this way. Actually, God doesn't do it that way. That's how we do it, and he's fine with it. God doesn't pick... God. Anyway, God has ways, and he doesn't actually pick every method for us. And there are inspired methods that, are, that come from God. He will say, go out, stand here, do this, say this. He will be specific. He does do that. And at the same time, he also says... All the authority in heaven and earth is given to me, and I'm giving it to you. Now go. Go. Cast out demons. Cleanse the leper. Heal the sick. Preach the gospel. Share the good news. Right? Go do it. And he, and he, didn't, and he didn't go, like, give us the script. Or, I don't, we're out of four spiritual laws tracks, Lord. What will I say when I get there? And um, that's a little 
joke for some of you, a fun one. I used to love that tract, actually. But, but, um, but again, there's no methods. You know, Ian Bounds said that, that man looks for better methods, God looks for better men. That, that God, God actually doesn't, it's not about methods because you can go, you know, and actually, even spiritual people get in arguments about how things should be done sometimes. And, and the reality is, it, you always get stuck in a ditch when you start arguing about stuff like that. And the best thing to do, it's like, you know, if, if I, the best thing to do is, I'm gonna look for, like, who has God, who has God appointed in this situation? And, and I'm gonna follow them, and I'm gonna trust, you know, is, I mean, I've done that for years where you, I, I'm like, you know what the good news about submission is and submission requires faith is that it means the pressure is off of me for the outcome. And then and then I can disagree about methods. But once it's decided, then I can follow that person. I go, OK, I've given my idea. You didn't take my idea. What are we doing? Then I jump on. That makes sense. And um, a little bit of a bunny trail. And uh, and so. Let's get back to the Bible. And, um, and so they said, if we found favor in your sight, let, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Don't make us cross over the Jordan. And just to recap it, Moses basically said, that's fine if you want to do that. But don't think you're going to avoid war. You still got to come over and help the rest of the tribes of Israel fight off their enemies, inherit their land. And then you're welcome to come back to this land that you've chosen if you want it. And um, and so he did. He gave him the land, even blessed him to live there. But I thought it was interesting that when they when they first asked, Moses said to them, he asked, he said to the Gadites and the Reubenites. And there was also a half tribe of Manasseh that went with them when it was all settled. And so them choosing their own way. I really took note of this this week when I was looking over this verse again, meditating on it. These tribes, you know what they did? They chose their own way. And sometimes God will actually, as, as a father and you as his child, he'll actually bless you, even in your choice. He's like, here's my best for you. And you go, can I have this instead? And there are times when it won't be good if you do that. But there are actually times like this when he goes, if that's what you want, bless you. I will bless you there. I'll bless you in that land, actually. However, it did divide a nation. And it actually split a tribe. And it's interesting. And so later, they kind of ran into a, a few problems down the road, which they had to work out relationally. And um, which we won't get into today. But this is what Moses said. He asked the Gadites and the Reubenites. He said, why are you discouraging the Israelites from crossing into the land the Lord has given them? That's what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Now, it's interesting that Moses is actually telling them, hey, by you asking, by them, they came honoringly to Moses. And they said, hey, if it pleases you, can I have this good land? It's perfect for us. Look at it. Look, all our cattle can eat here. It's really great. Moses says, why are you discouraging the Israelites right now? This is the same thing your fathers did. When you read the story about what the fathers did, it doesn't seem like the same thing. It doesn't seem like the same thing. They actually came back 
And they gave a report to the people about why they shouldn't go, why they should run for their lives, why they're all going to die if they actually cross over where God said he was going to give them prosperity, where God said he was going to give them victory, where God said he was going to drive out the enemies and give them the land. To me, that's really different. Does anybody track with me on this? Like, to me, it's very different if God says, I've called you to come into this promised land. This is what I have for you. And then I come to you. I go look at it. And then I come back and I go, don't do it. That's what happened. God said, here's the promised land. They sent in spies. And then they came back with a better idea than God. This is what happened. They knew better than God, they thought. No, listen. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Like, you know, and you got a couple men of faith and they're like, they're my bread. I'm going to eat those giants. You know, these guys are like, Joshua and Caleb are just like, let us two go. We'll just take them. You know, I mean, these guys were full of faith. It's amazing. You know, Caleb later, when he was 85 years old, he says, Give me that land as I was then. I am today. I'm ready for battle just as much as imagine eight. I would not mess with Caleb. You know what I'm saying? He's like 85 and he's like strength of a 30 year old, you know, all seasoned anyway. And so Moses is looking at these these two and a half tribes, these two tribes. What it looks like to me is. Here's the other interesting thing. Why are you discouraging the Israelites? Why are you discouraging? This is the same thing your fathers did. Moses is getting serious, you know. You don't want to make Moses mad. And, and um, I mean, snakes might come. The ground might open up. It's dangerous to, to make God's friend mad, you know, Moses. And um, anyway, so. Um, and I just think it's really interesting that when you see something from God's perspective, why are you discouraging Israelites? What does he mean by that? Because when we talk about walking by faith and living in a corporate faith, in other words, what's God saying to us as a house, Mountain Chapel? What is God declaring to us that he wants to do in our midst? That he wants to give us a county and he wants to give us the town that he wants every person saved. This is our mission on the earth, to know God and to be lights, you know, to know God and bring others in to know him, too. And so when we think, but what is the rhema word, the spoken word, not yes, this, but also prophetically, what is God saying to us and repeating, confirming to us? And we see what he's doing in our midst. And so that's our prophetic vision. And so. I think about this, like, how do we live out this corporate faith in our day? Like, I'm interested in where the rubber meets the road, what it looks like for you and me to journey together. For us to win, to, 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 it's not just that we're going to win, it's just that to step into the win that Christ paid for. To step into the land that's already given. You know, and so I just think it's interesting because how many have ever got into a selfish mode of thinking. I have. How many have ever gotten into a mode of thinking where you're in a pity party? I have. One time. Just, <laughs> just kidding. And, um, and 
How many know, the thing about a pity party is that you're only thinking about yourself when you're having a pity party. It's a lonely party. There's only one person there. But, um, but, uh, and, um, and so God will come in and change it from pity to comfort in a minute. He'll encourage you with the word. Um, but I just think it's interesting because here's what I think happened. And because he's only talking to two tribes. And when it's all said and done, it's Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Wait, when did that happen? I'll tell you when that happened. When two tribes decided to settle, there was a division amongst another tribe. Because half of them said, you know what, they're staying, maybe we'll stay too. So even though God blessed them, if you will, follow me on this, that that actually not only did those two tribes who wholeheartedly chose their idea over God's best, but they actually led away another half tribe, dividing a tribe, creating division and and so that a whole bunch of other people also did not enter into the promised land. And, I, you know, I think that as believers, it's possible for us to be delivered from Egypt. Having come through the wilderness, it's all kind of proverbial because really in the kingdom, you're born again, you're in the kingdom. Right. Because you don't believe in a huge wilderness journey. But, but also, I do believe in seasons where God does teach you personally and like he did in the wilderness. And so, and so, when I think about what it means to walk corporately together with a corporate faith into what God is doing, this is what I noticed, I started to say, that I think it's possible to be a believer who is born again, delivered from the world, you're in the kingdom, in other words... You're saved. You have eternal life. And yet, not yet, has been baptized through the Jordan. And it's all in here. It's not a spiritual state of being. It's about the renewing of the mind. It's about learning how he has us, how he calls us to think. And so, I'm saved. I'm set free. I've got Jesus added to my life. But I, but I still think it's my life. And, and then there's a, but there's a deeper place that is a lot more fun, a lot more exciting, and quite adventurous because you're driving out giants and stuff, you know, if you will, that, that we're called to. And what I believe the Jordan represents is a transition that sometimes happens immediately in the born again experience. And sometimes, for some reason, I don't know why, but it, it doesn't translate right away. And, and so I believe that the Jordan represents a transition or a baptism, if you will, into the will of God. And so that you become a believer, which I think this is what all believers really are, but just follow me in what I'm saying here, is that you become a believer who doesn't have... Christ in your life, but who Christ has become your life. And so that you that you you cross over this Jordan into the promised land, the best land that God has for you. That's full of victory, milk, honey, vineyards you didn't plant, house you didn't build, 
blessings and also great victories that you're winning one after another. There's a great harvest there. Yeah, put it into a New Testament context. You know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? And then I and I just believe that, you know, I have a good friend and and they 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 received a promotion from the Lord. In other words, God called them into a deeper service. They were already in the ministry, but there was a transition point in their life. God called them deeper. And um, and the Lord said to them that summer they were going in and it was like the Lord, <laughs> the Lord said to to them, um, are you are you ready to die again? And uh, how many know that's it's a good death in the kingdom, right? It's it's happy because it means resurrection. It means the life of Christ. It means everything. But she but she she shared with me like. But I realized that where I was going with God. I was leaving behind more self. But in that moment, it didn't feel like grief. It didn't feel hard. It didn't feel sad. It felt like a yielded heart that says, yes, Lord. I just want everything you have. You know? And so, a whole bunch of points that I was going to make today. But I really think... I just real, I really do feel stirred up, as Ruth was sharing. I really do feel stirred up about what God is doing in our midst. And I believe that there's even a... He's awakening hearts. I could use lots of words. I could say, you know, He's stirring our faith. Or He's giving... He's increasing our hunger. Or whatever. But, but I believe what it comes down to is an awakened faith. And that God calls us as a people... Not to live passively. In other words, if you say, this is what God is showing us, and there's a witness of that word, okay? This is where the rubber meets the road. And if I say, okay, we'll see. That's passivity. So I'm not even, I'm talking to, it sounds kind of, it has an edge to it. I understand that. I I'm not meaning it that way. I just mean like, I just feel really stirred up that that sometimes we can say God's doing this and we go, okay, well, I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to see how that turns out. But what God calls us to as a community is people that live with an active faith because faith, faith is not passive. Faith is active. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven doesn't come by observation. You know what? He's saying the kingdom of heaven doesn't show up in a town with a massive harvest of souls and an outpouring of the Spirit by people going, we'll we'll see. We'll just see if that's God. You know what I'm saying? Because what I find is that you find what you're looking for. And, And I really think that you could have been in, you probably could have been in the Welsh revival and be, this is what we think. We think everybody in Wales was aware that what God was doing, I bet you there were people in the midst of that mighty awakening that were doing their daily routine and dismissed all these weirdos. And yet God was breathing on a people 
that like all these coal miners came to Jesus. None of their donkeys and their animals listened to him anymore because they, they only knew cuss words for, for commands. That happened. Like they actually halted. They couldn't do their work because all these guys were so, they all just mined and drank and they were, they were pretty rough characters and all their animals only understood like foul, foul commands to do whatever. And they were like, and they've been, they got clean hearts, clean mouth. Right? Clean heart, clean mouth. That's what it says. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Clean hearts, clean mouths. And so they're like, man, or don't, and we're like, come here, donkey. He's like, I don't, I don't know that word. So the donkeys had to be sanctified too. Anyway. This is me just with the stir stick today. And and just saying, like, here's the reality that that God, what are you doing in our midst? And He's speaking to us. And so I think that's something that we uh, we really need to continue to communicate is what is God saying? What you do is you look for themes. And when you have when you when you look for the words that God is repeating amongst you, we've had that fountain word like three, four times through a dream, through different words that have come. I think, Shelly, you prophesied at One Presence Night. It's been over and over that people are going to come and be refreshed. And um, and so would you stand with me? And uh, I guess, you know, what I'm saying today is uh, let's do this together. Let's do this together, you know. It's so fun to do things together with God. And and that's I tell you the joy is multiplied too, and um, and courage, courage rises. And I tell you when we say yes to to step into the things God is calling us to in a new season, because here's the thing: all of us here who have walked with God, we got stories to tell. We all do. We all have stories to tell. We've all got testimonies of God's faithfulness, the way He's provided for us, the way He's brought us through the fire unburned, the way, the way He's been faithful to our lives. He's been faithful to us, to our families. You know, we all have those stories. The thing I never want to do is publish that book, set it on the coffee table and go, there's my story, sit in the chair, and when you come over, you can read it. Because I'm still living my story. And you're living your story. And we're living this journey with God. I never want to settle and talk about a past. I only want to celebrate a past for momentum for the future. And when you come out of the wilderness, the way of life looks different. Right? The way of life looks different. When you come out of the wilderness into the promised land, the way you live is different, but you know what it's saying. The thing that you were in the wilderness to learn in the first place. To lean on God. The faith. What the wilderness did for the Israelites is that it helped them when they came into their blessing that they knew they would know it wasn't about them. They would know it was a miracle. They would know only God could do it. That God had prepped them so that they could have humble hearts and give honor where honor was due.